we're a bunch of unique individuals. We're going to engage with our minds and our hearts. We're going to exchange ideas, thoughts and even our energy. And to speak from your heart, you need to have courage. You need to be honest and authentic. We're not always going to get it right. And sometimes you're not going to agree with us. But that's okay. Because just like you, we care. Just like you, we're passionate about the game. Yeah, thanks, Kirky. Not quite the intro to the Boy Pod snippet show we were looking for. I don't know where to start with this Kurt Tipper Adelaide debacle. I know where it will finish, which is with Adelaide getting a slap on the wrist and everything going back to normal. A bit like the investigation into tanking. Yeah. It's going to be that sort of investigation. It's going to be a, D- a Demetrio Anderson investigation. A Demetrio Anderson production. Yeah. I mean, let's tackle both of those issues one by one. First of all, if Melbourne cop any kind of penalty whatsoever for the tanking debacle, Demetrio has to be fired. It's that simple. Yeah. Because... It was their shoddy management that put the rules and regulations in place that encouraged teams like Melbourne to take that path. You never blame the actual team that's doing it. It's their duty to do anything and everything in their power to maximise their advantage. And if the stupid rules are set up that mean tanking is for the good of the team, then tank. As, yeah. as, um, as, as um, Trent Reznor said in that clip, steal, 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 steal away, tank. Yeah. Tank, tank, tank. Yeah. Tank away. Tank till Tanks you can very tank. much. Yeah. Tank till you can tank no more. Yeah. Tanks for coming. Yeah. Tanks for the memories. No, we, we got a million of them. Yeah. Uh, this, I, this happened on his watch. Absolutely. On his watch, at the same time as he was saying, I think tanking's a myth. I think it doesn't happen at all. Yeah. Now, let's not get started on how, much, how many millions of dollars they poured down the Israel Falau dunny. The fact that in any other sport, in any other sport in the world... The CEO who masterminded that sort of, yeah, debacle would have been given the ass, yeah. Given the ass out, out on his ass, mate. So the fact that he still has a job right now is just ridiculous. After all that, just, yeah, the time and resources that they wasted on that talentless hack. <laughs> and it will be interesting if they do actually put some penalties on Melbourne because I think Carlton and Collingwood would have to go right under the microscope. Yeah. Well, Carlton in particular. Carlton yeah. in particular, yes. The old Cruiser Cup game, as it was known. Well, I believe that was against Melbourne too, wasn't it? <laughs> I'm not sure I now. Think I was, think yeah. it was, yeah. I think it was, yeah. It may well have been. Yeah. the end of that year. Yeah. I think it was either Melbourne or Richmond. I can't remember. No, exactly the Melbourne one was against one Richmond. The Carlton one was against Melbourne, mm. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, uh, look, as I say, if anything happens to Melbourne, Demetrio has to go. Yep. It's that simple. He can take his ass clown mate Anderson with him. Well, the only reason Anderson had a job there is because he's friends with Demetrio yeah. from law school. Yeah, because he's a brown-nosed gnome as uh, a certain West Australian Let's state not get coaches. started on Langer's appointment. That, oh. that would just go off on a complete other tangent. Let's go to point number okay. two. Adelaide and Tipper, who's going to end up worse off here? <laughs> the AFL, <laughs> yeah. for allowing it to all go down on their, on their watch again. Well, I'm amazed that Kurt Tippett's agent hasn't copped more of a, feel, a reasonable whack for this. Well, it's clear... I mean, to me, everything I read... And the bit that makes me the most suspicious is the fact that, oh, they delayed the hearing. Oh, Adelaide are off the hook now. It's just the individuals. Oh, we'll give them another month to prepare papers. It does really remind me of this investigation into tanking. Yeah. Is that they're hoping that if it goes on long enough, then everyone will just forget about it and it'll all go away. And, and everyone that, will live happily ever after. And that by Adelaide volunteering their own punishment, that, oh, my God, I mean, 
what is it with this happened with Collingwood earlier on as well? Why are the the senior people in charge so fucking spineless? If you want to make a call and you want to make a decision, make it. Punish people. Deal with it. It's blatantly obvious that this thing happened. It's blatantly obvious Adelaide let it happen. It's blatantly obvious Adelaide cheated the salary cap. It's blatantly obvious that Tippett was aware of it. It's blatantly obvious that his agent negotiated the deal. And it's blatantly obvious that they did something that is in direct disregard to everything that the Players Association contracts stand for. So quite frankly, Adelaide should be punished and Tippett should be punished. Yeah. But this is what I don't understand. It, it sort of goes back to the whole Matthew Stokes case a few years back where his argument was, oh, I just bought a little bit of drugs from one person to give to another. And I sat there looking at it going, and that's not tra- drug trafficking. How? You know, buying from one person to give to another? I believe that's drug trafficking, mate. And in this case, as far as I'm concerned, there's no argument over the facts Everyone knows that he was given an under-the-table handshake that he would get to go to the club of his choice after he left. And that there was, yeah, under the the unknown benefits associated with that, which were kept off the books. Now, that's not in dispute. So what exactly is their argument going to be here? Well, I mean, and to, to draw a, uh, to draw, it's a relatively longer bow, but this is exactly the, the situation that the Melbourne Storm were in. Mm. Yeah, I was just thinking that in terms of having the different sets of books and that. Yeah. And everyone's aware of it. So what exactly are the AFL waiting for here? Why are they sitting on their hands? Other than the obvious argument, which I've already said, which is hoping that if the storm dies down, storm, nice little pun, then, it yeah, it'll all go away. It's just the sort of shit you've come to expect from this joke of a sport and this joke of administrators. I was going to say, it's the sign of a rudderless ship, isn't it? Yeah. The, The point of being a strong leader is that it's not about making the decisions that are popular, it's about making the decisions that are best for the business moving forward, mm. and the decisions that are right. Now, it means you're going to, as I say... You as I, out of joint. You well, I mean, as I, as I say, you don't make a good omelette without breaking a few eggs, and this is exactly the, the scenario that we find ourselves in yeah. here, is that if nothing happens with, if nothing happens with Tipper, what's going to stop all of these other players looking for similar pathways to well, I mean, let's face it, GWS, the number of times that they have skirted around or just flat out broken the rules and the AFL have looked the other way, mm. it, it really all comes back to just the integrity of the sport. I don't think anyone seems to give a shit about that. I think all they care about is that all the attendance figures get met, all the uh, you know revenue targets get reached, so that these self-imposed bonuses that they uh, get for achieving these targets, everyone gets them. There's handshakes and backslaps all around, and the world keeps on spinning. It's it really is a joke of a sport now. It's come to this. The thing for me as well is that this isn't even a sport I particularly like that much. I'm fairly passionate about it, but to be perfectly blunt, it takes up space once a week while the cricket season is not on. So it fills the gap in the winter months. Well, I mean, it comes back to the original source of where Australian rules football came from. Yeah, exactly. The Melbourne Cricket Club wanting to stay fit. To cricketers fit, yeah. Yeah. But if this was happening with cricket, like the sport that I actually love, I'd be tearing my hair out. I'd be baying for blood. You know, it's similar to my feelings on Mike McKenna. It'd be that sort of thing. They're ruining the game. This isn't even a game that I particularly like that much because, let's let's face it, it has yeah. become a bit of a joke of late. Well, it's it's all Orwellian in nature in that, you know, some teams are more equal than others. Mm. 
Um, and there's no doubt that teams like Collingwood get a, a much better rub of the green yeah. than, than your, your shit-kicker teams like the Western Bulldogs and North, and North Melbourne. Melbourne. Yeah. Yeah. And I laughed when Eddie Maguire came out during the week and said that, you know, with regards to the Chris Judd-Vizzy deal, which is a whole other rant, mm. that he wants the league to be equal for all. And I'm like, they're thinking... Well, it's time for you to travel about seven yeah. more times a year then. I'm like, they're thinking that, you know, that's all... Your team's going to have to get directions to the airport this season then. What, yeah, what Eddie considers equal is equal for everybody else except for Collingwood. Yeah. And uh, let me put it this way. Twelve months from now, we'll be doing something similar and it will be about day-night test matches. And that is something that is going to happen to destroy the sport I love. That is really going to piss me off. Like, heads are going to roll for that shit. Whereas this, it, it, it's not even, yeah, a sport that I'm that, I have that much affinity for, but it's just like mismanagement 101, and that's yeah. what pisses me off about it. It's just, it, it sounds such a stupid line, but it's the principle of the thing. Mm. It's the integrity of the sport. You yeah. don't fuck with that. Yeah, it's just the vibe of the document you get. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. That's exactly right. And, and on that note, I need a glass of water. Yes. <laughs> Tell him he's dreaming. Yeah. Demetrio, you're dreaming. Name one band you hated when you were growing up but like listening to now. I can't say that. I'm too young. <laughs> I, I, to be honest, I mean, this, this could be another one of life's mottos, but I, I hold a grudge. So if I don't like someone, I'm sticking with it. So I can tell you bands I hated then and still hate now. I can tell you heaps of them. But um, no, no, no one has successfully won me over. Put it that way. I think I commented on this one in an earlier podcast too. ACDC for me. Really? Yeah. Is, um, that, is that because of the, uh, the well, maybe the, uh, the average socioeconomic standing of their uh, fans? No, <laughs> not that at all. Because you at all? No, not at all. Okay, because um, it might have been a bit different if I had to go to concerts of theirs and just getting sort of... No, I mean, I, I don't know what was... I think that the... Pro- Kind of the age that I would, would have been getting exposed to them the first time would have been a, a big part of that. Um, because it was it was around the heat seeker time mm. when I was first there. So that like I wasn't necessarily after getting Bond Scott. Well truly after Bond oh, Scott. Then, then so it's like late eighties. Yeah. Um, so like I wasn't hearing much of this, you know, the the, the back catalogue as such. So oh, the, I mean the Bond Scott years. Yeah. Are the only reason I like ACDC. Yeah. If you start ACDC with Back in Black, then I yeah. think very little. Well, of yeah, as I was saying, it was it was kind of the heat seeker, Thunderstruck type yeah, area. Yeah, Razor's Edge. Those yeah. Ones, yeah, I mean, I, I quite like Thunderstruck, but yeah. a lot of the other stuff that I was hearing from there at that time, I could quite, I could fly on the wall and those yeah. sorts of albums. Quite happily yeah. raffle off and go. Well, you know, I could understand what they're getting by but it's reputation. Not, yeah. I don't understand why people like them, but it's not for me. But then it's when I, you know, you're starting getting a bit older and you're starting to, to hear some of this older stuff. And as you say, not really, not really having heard a hell of a lot of Bond Scott stuff, um, it was hard for me to see the hook. Yeah. Then I start, you know, you start hearing some of those other songs and you're like, they're going, oh, I want to dive into this a little bit more. Yeah. You know, Dirty Deeds. Um, Let There Be Rock. Yeah. Those, oh, yeah, the you, earlier yeah. album, the yeah. Power Age, and yeah, the, that's right. It's yeah. all those, and so that was it. I, I went from from really not wanting to listen to them at all to, to getting that affinity. And as mm. I said, I've discussed this in the previous podcast, but um, yeah, they would they would be the one. 
that I, I would definitely they say. They won you over. Yeah, I'd say that I gained a... I, through, through greater exposure, I gained a greater appreciation for what mm. they were doing. Dan, Western Australian cricket. Why? Why, Langer? We saw what happened last time. Tom Moody, who's actually oh, a half-decent... Yeah. yeah, that's right. William shares my outrage. He's actually a half-decent coach, and he couldn't do anything as a WA old boy. You have to, you have to go Mr. Outside higher. You have to bring someone in who's willing to completely dismantle everything and rebuild from the ground up, start from scratch, because that's what they have to start from right now. Everything is broken about that place. It's done. It's dusted. It's finished. You cannot bring in an old hero to try and restore it to its former glory. It has to be someone completely external to the entire sordid, sorry state of affairs. What's the real issue? Because on paper... They look as talented as any other state. But they've looked like that for years. Yeah. Years and years. I don't I don't know what the issue is. I can't sit there in the changing rooms. I mean, the issue for me is the fact that players like David Hussey, Chris Rogers and Simon Kadich, who are possibly the most talented players to sit in that dressing room in the last 25 years, all move to other states. Now, that's a very, very bad sign right there. The fact that that happened and that they allowed that to happen, just to me, it almost smacks of the whole, your solution for the Melbourne Football Club is that a fish rots at the head. You need to cut it off. Mm. Now, whether that means DK has to go, I don't know. But I think they really do just need to, as I say, yeah, just completely start from scratch. They tried to. Mickey Arthur came in with the right idea because he kicked a lot of older players out. Mm. But unfortunately, well, fortunately, he got called up to national duties. Well, not called up, but you know what I mean. He took the national coaching job. So once again in this state, uh, in this um, case, I think that Australia's gain is WA's loss (laughs) in that we no longer have to have Justin Langer as our batting coach because what are his qualifications for the role? Can someone explain that to me? Other than the fact that he played for Australia in this century... He seems to have nothing going for him. When you look at the results that Craig McDermott achieved as bowling coach, so much you know, tangible evidence that he can point to and say, this is what I've done. What has Langer done? Under his watch, we were dismissed for 47. Under his watch, Pakistan rolled us for less than 100 in the first, in the first day, on the first day of a test match. Under his watch, our batsmen have been woefully underperforming, particularly from numbers 1 to 4. Now... What exactly is he bringing to the mix? What exactly is he doing to try and mitigate or combat that fact? It's a rhetorical question because he's not doing a fucking thing. I mean, he's probably achieving more now that he's not there than, than he was when he was actually sitting in the changing rooms. Okay. Second question for you. Marcus North, was he the easy kill or was there a little bit more to that? Well... When you talk, when we just uh, talked about Demetrio and the fact that this went down on his watch, yeah, you have to say the same thing about Marcus North. Yeah, I mean, like it or not, he's the captain. He's responsible for this. I mean, if it was someone like, let, let me throw an example out there: someone like Mark Taylor, Alan Border, Steve Waugh, those guys. This shit wouldn't have gone down on their watch as captain, and the fact that Marcus North is to blame for that is not something I'm going to argue. I'm not going to say that he's directly caused this or is to blame for this. 
But the fact is, as captain, the buck stops with him. Mm. So he has to go. I'm, I'm sorry. And whether Vogus is the right guy to take over, mm. I couldn't really say. I would say that he's probably an equal part of the problem, yeah. if not more of the problem. Yeah. I mean, I think that his performances over the cast two to three years have been mediocre at best. Oh, I mean, the only guy... I'm just going through the line. The only guy who I can think can, you know, look at himself in the mirror and say, I've performed really well for WA over the past, well, few seasons, would be Michael Hogan, mm. I would say. Other than that, I can't really think of anyone. Maybe Liam Davis, although this summer he's had a horrible run with injury. But other than that, there's really no one who's sort of, yeah, been... The only other one I might say would be Steve McGoffin, who who's um yeah, yeah. got given the arse. But other than that, well, the problem yeah. is it was the fringe guys who were on these cricket Australia contracts that were yeah. that were part of the issue. I think it was, you know, the the Voguses, the 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 Norths, the, the Marshes, Marshes yeah. the Luke Ronkies, mm. those guys. But you look at those those names you just said there, yeah, and you think about what they've done playing for WA over the last few years. Yeah. And then let me let me throw out three names that I threw out before. David Hussey, Chris Rogers, Simon Kaddish. You think about what they've done for their states over the last well, few I mean, years. Well, I mean, even somebody like Wes Robinson, as an example, mm. who basically got kicked to the curb this yeah. year with, with regards to the contracts. Because, I mean, he had a couple of really good years. And yeah. He's probably done more than some of those guys. Yeah, absolutely. In, in the context, but yeah, gone. And you just hope that guys like Whiteman and Harris, who are now coming through, yeah. they don't sort of... Yeah, and this is why I think they, they need to rebuild, is so that talent like that coming through can be nurtured in a completely fresh and brand spanking new culture. Yeah. I think Rather it's... than Justin Langer, who's coming in and is always just going to be another connection to the past. I'm going to draw a little bit of a longer bow here, but you, you kind of have to question what their role in all of this is, and I'll draw the parallel with the Western Force. What is Western Australia's role here? Is it is it really about winning the Shield or is it about creating the next generation of Australian players? I would argue that one leads to the other. Because I think the yeah, competitive would, environment... But which, but which one do you put the emphasis on? No, but I'm saying you don't have to put an emphasis on them. By trying to win the Shield, you are breeding the future players. Because no one wants to, the to breed a generation of players who are very good at Shield level and they can't do fuck all at Test level. I think by breeding a generation of players who are striving to win, who are in that competitive environment, and who are achieving success at state level, that is going to be a natural breeding ground for someone who can step up. So the problem that I have with that is is that I think that that's why somebody like Adam Voges gets a bit of a free pass, is that the belief is, is that this guy is going to help us win a shield at some point in time, when the reality is is that he's nowhere near an Australian team anymore. And he's per- perhaps costing somebody an opportunity to develop and grow into that role into the future. I wouldn't argue that. I wouldn't say that Adam Voges is going to help us win a shield anytime soon. Well, Can I disagree with that? Well, I'm just saying. I just I'm, think, I just, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm not saying that's not my premise. My, that's my point, not my premise. Mm. My point is, is that people like that stay around too long and act as a barrier to stop the development moving forward. If I'm the Western Force, as an example, I would be putting my focus on getting as many high-quality young kids as I possibly can, nurture and grow them together with the view of trying to make them future wallabies. 
I think that where the West Australian team is at mm. is that they need to embrace that same philosophy and look to grow the next develop the, the next, next generation, the next players, generation yeah. of players. And not only that, but develop that generation who are then going to be loyal to WA, know what the brand stands for, and go out and exude that every time they play. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, no, I mean, I, 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 I yeah, what you're saying. Yeah. yeah, it's you look at, and I mean, don't talk about Lang, but I mean, talking about Lang, is you look at guys like Langer, Martin, Hussey, Gilchrist, Moody, yeah, this type of thing, they all came through around a similar time. Yeah. Not only the Australian side of things, like Gilchrist coming over here when he did, that caused immense backlash. But, I mean, look at what it did for the state and then for the country moving mm. forward. It was well and truly the right decision to make, taking a punt on this 20, 20-something kid from New South Wales and saying, we believe this guy's going to be the next great thing. The next Adam Gilchrist. Yeah. <laughs> and when they brought him over and you know put him in the team in place of Tim Zura at the time, WA people around him and say, you will regret the day that you booed out of Gilchrist in mm. many respects because yeah. he's going to be it. Yeah. I just think that where the, the, you're, you're making my argument for me by saying you don't feel the Voges is going to help us win no. a shield anytime soon. Yeah. If that's the case, why is he in the team? <laughs> Can I answer that question with another question? Mm. Who's going to play instead of him? This is the sad state of affairs with cricket right now. There is not exactly a great breadth of talent. All the more reason why you try the kids. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not arguing with that. I think think guys like Whiteman and Harris and Marsh, M. Yeah, and they've got to be... And that's the point. And Cool Denial. And they have to be be well and truly committed to them. And say, you know, with Triffitt in that mix as well, given that he's only 21 as well. So I'd say... You're the focus. You're our next generation. Mm. We're going to put the systems and structures in place with the view of you representing Australia sometime in the next four to five years. And the problem with that, I and think... And if you, foc- if you put that as the focus and the emphasis, I think that the development comes outside of that within the team. Uh, I think the problem with that is that in order for that to succeed, you have to tie all... You have to cut any semblance of a tie with the past and say, we're severing all those yeah. ties... We're starting Which, from scratch. But that's why, and you know, that's yeah. that's kind that's of what you're think, saying. Is yeah, that, having Langer come in yeah. as coach, that's why I think it's a bad idea. Mm. But if he's coming in and that's his mandate and that's his, that's the direction that he's looking to go. I think that that's the right way to go. Oh yeah, look, I mean, yeah. there's two there's two issues for me with Langer. The first is that whole connection with the past and just, you know, it's a WA old boy sort of jobs for the boys sort of mentality, which I hope it's not because it definitely was with Moody. Mm. But then the second one, which is just as pressing for me, is just his his lack of qualifications and actual yeah suitability for the role, which I think is another issue altogether. I think he gets by a lot on his reputation and his ability to come up with good sound bites, such as we're going to pick on character rather than cover drives, things like that. But when you break it down, does it actually mean anything? It's a bit like a Julia Gillardism. Does it actually mean anything? Is there actually any substance behind that? Or is it all just empty talk? Because a lot of the time with him, it's just words. And I guess we'll see that yep. over the next, you know... Time will tell with that, but... We are Native Americans, part of the Wait and See tribe. Nice scrubs drop there, by the way. Thank you, thank you. (laughs) I think that that's the the thing, but as I say, the the dearth of batsmen below the the top level, is that should be the biggest concern of Australian cricket in its entirety at this particular point in time. 
Particularly considering that's always been a strength in Australia. Yeah. And I think that if the, the states individually aren't doing the right things by the country at a broader level to address and rectify this problem, we'll never be successful as a country in, in its entirety. I think that this was a big part of the Argus I was report, just going to say, yeah. But I haven't necessarily seen that flow through yet. Yeah. Uh, in fairness, I know that that was a, a big focus of the Argus review, and I know, for instance, that was why Pat Howard came out and um, gave the Sydney Sixers, to use that fucking shithouse name, a real blast for the fact that he wasn't kept informed about Pat Cummins' injury, the fact that they were basically looking for Champions League glory ahead of the fact that this guy could have been playing in a test match for Australia right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that... It's 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 going to be you know incremental improvement. You're not going to be able to snap your fingers and fix these things overnight. But I'm hoping that with little things like that, with someone like Pat Howard appointed to a central position, and with the changes to the um, the constitution and stuff like that, which now means that all the states get equal representation at the national level and things like that, I'm hoping that will help to yeah slowly improve things. Let's go with the Gillardism and say moving forward. Well, that's all the pieces that we have for this puzzle. We'll see you next time.